0: Good morning. My name is Al Hassler. I'm here with my uh, quarantine beard and my shaggy hair that hasn't been cut in, I don't know, six, seven weeks, and I want to welcome you this morning to Rock Hills. I'm part of the Rock Hills teaching team, and I'll be your speaker this morning. And what's interesting is if you would have told some of my buddies from high school and college that I would be up teaching the Bible at some point in my life, I think they would have been shocked because I was an atheist, and I really was strongly against anything to do with religion. And I tell you that because it's going to connect with something I want to talk about a little later in my message. Today, we're going to continue in our series, The Good News, The Gospel Truth. And I'm going to be teaching from the gospel, or excuse me, from the book of Isaiah. And the first Truth that I need to talk about this morning is that I, Al Hassler, really have nothing of value to share with you this morning. Don't get me wrong, I know God's given me a good mind. I did really well in high school, did well in college, did well in law school. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that God gave me a good mind. But for the first thirty-seven years of my life, I was an atheist. And I got to the age of thirty-seven. And in every area of my life, except perhaps maybe business success, my life was a disaster. I had led my life by my own reasoning abilities and the rational faculties that I had, and nothing was going right. And so when I became a Christian at the age of 37, I knew I needed another way of approaching life. And so what I decided to do is I decided to follow the revelation of the God of the universe, the revelation that's recorded in this book we call the Bible. And as I've trusted the words of God and his guiding principles for life, my life has taken a 180-degree turn. And so today, I don't have anything to offer, but I know this book has so much to offer. This book is all you need for a good and satisfying life. And so what I'm going to talk about today is from the book of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah was a prophet who lived about 700 years before Jesus Christ. He was a godly man, a devout man. He had an amazing relationship with God. And God chose to use Isaiah to speak to him and reveal some of his principles. And Isaiah recorded those in the book that we still read today as Christians, the prophet of Isaiah. And those words were recorded some seven twenty-seven hundred years ago. And what I want to say is they're still as applicable today as they were back then. Now, Isaiah 55 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It is so rich and meaningful. But there's no way we can possibly cover that whole chapter in the time we have this morning. So here's what I'd like to recommend to you. We have a resource here at Rock Hills called 10 Minutes with God. And that resource is available both on our website at rockhills.com and also on our Facebook page. What I really hope you will do this week is you will go to 10 Minutes with God because it will give you daily devotionals that will help you dive deeper into the scripture that I want to talk about today. And so let's begin, and before we get to the meat of what I want to talk about, there's really two principles that I'm going to draw out of this passage. Believe me, there's far more principles than that, but I just want to focus on just these two principles. And the first one is this, that a life in relationship with God is more rich and satisfying on this life and the life that is to come than anything you can possibly imagine. So that's the first principle. The second principle is, is that the good news really is good, far greater than anything you can ever imagine. So let's start by looking at the first two verses of chapter 55 of Isaiah, and they go like this, come, all you are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. Why do you spend your money on what is not bread and your labor and what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. Eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Now, that is really an amazing passage. There is this stark passage. Contrast that the God of the universe is laying out. You see, these words are in quotations. God spoke these words directly to the prophet Isaiah to communicate to his people, including us, 2,700 years later. And it's fascinating because God is laying out this incredible contrast between life in relationship with him and life. Chasing the things that the world says will satisfy you. And look at the imagery he uses to make that contrast. He says life with him is going to be rich and satisfying. It's going to be like having wine and milk without money and without cost. And you see, that would have been an image that really resonated at the time that Isaiah was alive and writing. Because most of the people of God, the Hebrews, were living in a desert environment. And they understood that only really wealthy people had access to milk because that means you had to have goats or cows. And milk was perhaps the most nourishing thing that you could partake of back in that time. And access to wine was also very unusual because you had to have grapes, you had to have vineyards. But it was critically important because most of the water supply back in that era was contaminated. So the healthier thing to do was to drink wine. So God is using powerful images here to communicate to his people that, look, life with me is going to be nourishing and rich and satisfying. And he actually says the words, come and have wine and milk without cost. God is going to provide this to you because he loves you just like a good father providing nourishment to his child if you choose to trust him. And he says, if you do, your soul will be satisfied as with the richest affair. And he contrasts that with what it's like pursuing things of the world. He says, you know, if you pursue things of the world, it's like Spending your money on what isn't even bread—something that's not nutritious—maybe trying to eat, you know, paper or something, something that is not going to provide any nutrition at all to you, and you're spending our labor on what you, what does not satisfy. When you pursue things of this world, now as I reflected on those verses and God's description of what it's like in relationship with Him, it probably. Occurs to some of you that that's a little hard to believe. That life with God is this rich and satisfying life. I know if somebody would have told me those words when I was an atheist back in my high school and college days, that God's way was going to be rich and satisfying, I don't think I would have believed them. I had this image of God. Even though I'd never been to a church, never read the Bible, my image of God was he was just kind of this grumpy old man, kind of up in heaven, looking down, searching for anybody, having fun, so he could stop them from having fun. That was my image of God. The idea that life with God would be rich and satisfying was as far from me as you could imagine. Maybe some of you have that same feeling. And you know, as I reflect on this passage... What comes to mind for me is a young woman, a friend of mine that I met uh, 35 years ago, I think. And she had had a life where she grew up in a Christian home. And for many years, her mother took her to church. In fact, they went every Sunday, and sometimes they went two or three times during the week. And she made a decision to follow Jesus to trust God, to put her life in the hands of Christ and to have a relationship with God. She did that at quite a young age. And she would say that those growing up years in grade school and high school were just filled with rich relationships, with a wonderful intimacy with the God of the universe. And then she went off to college. And I think we all understand that in our society there are powerful cultural forces that are at work in our society. They're like a powerful current in a river. And there, there are many of these forces I could talk about, but in college, a few of them come to mind. In college, in particular, you're being told over and over that this life, this world, this universe happened by chance. The Big Bang happened. There was no maker, no creator behind it. That it was all this random evolution that created the universe and brought humans onto the earth. And there really wasn't a God. That's one of the forces. The other forces are the cultural forces that we see in our movies, and our television, and on commercials. Uh, and everywhere we look, in our society. And what they're saying is, even though there's no God of the universe, our culture is offering gods that they say will satisfy. If you make enough money, you're going to be satisfied. If you have a successful career, you're going to be satisfied. If you buy a lot of material possessions, houses and cars, you're going to be satisfied. And if you have enough pleasure, you're going to be satisfied. You know, pleasure and from partying on the weekends and alcohol and sleeping around. And those cultural forces exerted that powerful current against my friend. And sadly, she began to pursue the things of this world. And over the course of years, the trajectory of her life went downhill. And a few years later, she met a young man. They fell in love and got married. But he wasn't a believer either. He was not a person of faith. And together, they continued that downward spiral. Five years into their marriage, that young man moved out and told my young friend that he was going to divorce her. Feeling that emptiness, that, that feeling like there must be more to life, she remembered the faith of her youth. And so she reconnected with church. She started reading her Bible again. And quite quickly what she remembered actually returned to her life. This rich and satisfying relationship that she had experienced for the first 18 years of her life returned in its fullness. And my young friend told me that that was the turning point in her life. And and maybe as you hear that story, maybe something about that story resonates with you. You know, It's not going to surprise me if there are some people hearing this message this morning who are wondering, isn't there more to life? The things this world is offering, they don't seem all that satisfying to me. And maybe, like her, you grew up in a Christian home. Maybe you you had a faith when you were younger, and somehow, in the same way that those cultural forces moved her away from God, maybe you got moved away from God. And if that's you why don't you consider today making the decision to reconnect with God? He promises in this scripture that it will be rich and satisfying. And if you do that, maybe you could start reading your Bible so that you can develop that intimacy and that relationship with God. And I would really recommend you get connected to a faith community too. You know, we here at Rock Hills have some wonderful people. The the people of Rock Hills are the best friends I've ever had on this earth. And I know all of us would love to come alongside you and do life with you. Through the ups and the downs of life, we would be there for you. So if you're looking for a faith community, I hope you will consider Rock Hills. Now, some of you may be like me, and you may doubt, you know, This this life, maybe it isn't all I thought it would be, but I don't know about a relationship with God. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's going to be all that much fun, a bunch of rules to follow. That was the way I thought too. And what I want to tell you is the God of the universe is not a liar. He's telling the truth. He would not lie to you. He created you. He's your father. Just like every father provides guidance to their children because he wants them to have a good life. God provides guidance because he wants you to have a richest and satisfying life. So if you've never trusted in God, if you've never tried him to see if his promises are true, why not today? Why not say, you know, this life isn't all that satisfying. I'm going to trust him and I'm going to put my faith in him and I'm not going to start following his ways. And then the thought may come to you, well, I'm not exactly sure how to do that. Well, that's actually the second point that I mentioned that I want to bring to you from Isaiah 55. Because verse seven lays out this incredible promise. Verse seven says this. It says, let the wicked man forsake his ways and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, and he will freely pardon. You see, what these verses lay out is what we call the gospel, the good news that God has come to reconcile us to himself. Now, it starts with some bad news. That's the way the gospel works. It starts with the idea that every single one of us has rebelled against God. It started back in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve rebelled against God and everyone since has also. And God is righteous and just and holy beyond anything you can imagine. And he can't just let us off. His righteousness demands that there must be a payment for the debt. There must be a payment for the the rebellion. But we find out 700 years later that God himself comes in the form of Jesus Christ to pay that debt. And Jesus said it this way, He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have everlasting life. That's the gospel. The gospel says, as that verse 7 says in Isaiah, all you need to do is turn from your ways, All you need to do is turn back to God, and he will have mercy on you. Now, some of you may say, well, you know, it says they are turned from their wicked ways and their evil thoughts. I'm not sure I'm that bad. Well, I understand that, but why don't you reflect on that for just a minute? You see, if I am being really honest, if I look back at my worst moments over the past couple of months, if you could have an x-ray of the thoughts that I was thinking when when that guy on the highway cut me off or when someone wronged me in a way that hurt me, if you could see those thoughts projecting up the hatefulness and the meanness and the wickedness of those thoughts, what I was thinking about when those people did that to me, I think you might say, yeah, yeah. That's pretty wicked, and and compared to an infinitely pure and holy God, it's certainly evil and wicked. But even if you're still having trouble with that, let's set the bar a little lower. Let's go with the Ten Commandments, okay? You know, that's sort of English 101, right? This is basic, entry-level Christianity. It starts out with the first couple of commandments are about loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Anybody ever fallen short of doing that? My guess is you have. And part of the Ten Commandments is don't use the Lord's name in vain. And part of the Ten Commandments is don't lie and don't steal and don't covet. I think if you're being really honest, you would admit that you've fallen short of the most basic level of God's rules and commands. And as I said, God is so holy and just, he can't just say, oh, You know, like some senile old grandfather. Oh, you know, you did all these bad things. Oh, well, I'll just just sort of sweep that under the rug. He can't do that. But he himself paid the price for your sin and rebellion. He came down in Jesus Christ and paid your debt on the cross. And what he tells us is, if you will simply put your faith in what Jesus did on your behalf, accept that gift you too can enter into a relationship with God and walk in that rich and satisfying path that the first two verses of Isaiah 55 talk about. Now, I I said I'd get back to the Al Hassler, the the young Al Hassler who was the atheist. First, the, the reason why I was an atheist was pretty straightforward. I had a dad who didn't go to church, and one day I asked him if there was a God, and he just looked at me and said, no, I was about 13 years old, so, you know, I was a pretty rational kid, so I thought, well, okay, if there's no God up there, then I got to pursue something, and as we've already talked about, the culture was offering me gods that it promised would satisfy me, money and material possessions and, and success and pleasure, and I dove in, and I pursued those with every fiber of my being. I drank deeply of all those things, expecting I would be satisfied. And you know what? It, it just never happened. I had all of those things in abundance. And, and as my life went on, it, it became worse and worse. I became more and more dissatisfied, and I pursued those things harder because I thought, well, it must be because I'm not having enough of them Somewhere along the line, I met a woman, we got married, and, and it, it breaks my heart to say I continued to pursue that same lifestyle of pursuing alcohol and sleeping around and, and money and all those other things. And obviously, a, that, a marriage can't sustain itself with that. And so five years into the marriage, I told my wife I was leaving and I was going to divorce her. And then an amazing thing happened. A friend, a couple days later, said, I saw your wife at church, and she's now a Christian following God. And so that made me curious. So I called her, and we had lunch. And as soon as I saw her, I knew there was something different. I could see a peace and a contentment. And I knew that's what I was looking for. I'd lived 37 years of my life, and I was empty inside. And I'd been searching and searching and when I looked at her I knew she had what I had been searching for. And you know who that woman was is the young lady I talked about earlier in my message. The young lady who had lived a life of faith in her early years and left her faith when she went to college. And that train wreck of a guy that she married was me. And that train wreck of a guy that divorced her, or said he was going to divorce her, he didn't divorce her, he said he was going to divorce her, that drove her back to church was me. And I could see she had a life of satisfaction and depth. And so I went on a spiritual search, motivated by what I saw in her life, and I became a Christian. I put my faith in Jesus and what he had done for me. And so what I want to say is, both my wife Jan and I have experienced both sides of that amazing dichotomy, that amazing contrast there in the first couple of verses of of Isaiah 55. We've seen what life with God is like and how rich and satisfying. We've seen how empty life of this world is. And we would like to share with you the truth that God is good. And life with him will be richer and more satisfying than you can ever imagine. And and I will say those words one more time, because these are some of the most beautiful words ever spoken. And they were spoken by the God of the universe, by your Father. And he said, come to me, you who are weary, and I will give you rest Come by wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend your money on what is not bread and your labor and what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. Eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. And my prayer for you is you will trust God that those words are the truth and you will put your faith in him. And be in relationship with him to experience that satisfying life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you that you loved us enough to pay our debt, to pay our punishment on our behalf. And my prayer for everyone who hears this message is that they would trust you as the good and loving father who desires for them to have a rich and satisfying life. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, folks, and see you next week.